Good morning and welcome to Tuesday morning, February the 7th in 2023 on When I Rise. Today we continue year A, the sixth Sunday after Epiphany. And on the Tuesday of the week, we'd like to take a look at the Psalm passage, which comes to us from this week from the Revised Common Lectionary in this week of the church's calendar year. And so we find ourselves in the big, long Psalm, Psalm 119. Don't worry, we're just doing verses 1 through 8 today. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, and then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find there. Thanks for making us part of your morning and when our eyes. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. Psalm 119, verses 1 through 8. Those whose way is blameless, who walk in the Lord's instruction, are truly happy. Those who guard God's laws are truly happy. They see God with all their hearts. They don't even do anything wrong. They walk in God's ways. God, you have ordered that your decrees should be kept most carefully. How I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes. Then I wouldn't be ashamed when I examine all your commandments. I will give thanks to you with all of my heart that does right as I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Please don't leave me all alone. This is the word of God for us. I was in a, a class in my undergraduate program, and I don't know, we were young and we were college students, the traditional age, and we thought, like, we have all these visions of grandeur, probably like narcissism, it, to, to be honest, like this grandiosity. We thought we could change the world. We thought that we had the answer that everyone was looking for, right? And so we used to use terms like paradigm shift, right? <laughs> so there's a famous book out there that talks about paradigm shifts. And so we used to use it like way too much to where like the weight and the power of an idea of a paradigm shift actually like was drained of all its power. And finally, we had like a a teacher that wasn't afraid to tell us like, I think y'all need to be using that a whole lot less than you probably are. Um, Right. It needs to be reserved to like true dramatic shifts in the way that we know stuff uh, to where everything needs to be rewritten. And this professor told us like, for instance, when We discovered that uh, the way that the earth and the sun relate to one another, it was one way. And then after some scientific discovery, like it was actually the exact opposite. That is a paradigm shift, right? Everything else maybe probably pales in comparison, right? We have to admit like there's been some um, huge shifts uh, within our culture. Uh, I think maybe the last one. Uh, or one of the, some of the most recent ones would be the dawn of the internet and how much we use it. Uh, maybe we're in the midst of another one in regards to uh, where work happens, where many more people are remote working, and there doesn't seem to be this great uh, going back to how things used to be after people work from home while mitigating COVID-19. And so that's probably yet to be determined. Um, there's a good chance that with our diminishing resources within the world in some regards that we're going to have yet another paradigm shift, right? So when big things happen, we have to rethink everything. We have to renegotiate everything. And that happens even like in religious life. Um, there was this once this uh, Episcopalian bishop that was talking to Phyllis Tickle, who was a church historian and writer, who said like the church does this like rummage sale every 500 years um, where we take out all the stuff 
from the garage and we clean it all out. And we tend to only keep behind the things that we truly need uh, for the days ahead. And it's because there's usually like a big paradigm shift that happens where we have to rethink what it means to be the church in a world like ours today. It wasn't the world like yesterday. Like it, something's happened. Like we've like the faith is still the same. Jesus is still the same yesterday, today, forever. But something has changed. And therefore we have to adjust in order to embody faithfulness. I say that because Psalm 119 seems to be some articulation of a fundamental shift. This is um, from some scholarship that I got from Craig Broyles. He's kind of like my one commentary, all-in-one commentary. I mean, Psalms is such a huge piece of literature. So there are commentary sets with several volumes for the Psalms. So Broyles has all the Psalms in one book. And he says, like, this was like, there's a sign. Psalm 19 seems to be the advent of something new. And we know that in uh, the history, the outworking of the Old Testament story, that uh, that Israel got used to um, not having a temple in the first part of the story. Like, they longed for one. They had, like, this tent of meeting, right, meeting that would move from place to place in the wilderness. It camped a couple different places um, in, the, in the early days of occupation. But then when they got the temple, like, everything changed, right? Like, that dedication story of King Solomon in the temple, like, that was a huge change in Israel's story. And so when uh, empires came and smashed through Jerusalem and smashed the temple and the temple was gone when the Babylonians invaded, like that was a big thing, right? And when Zerubbabel came back and he built it again, like that was a big thing. The second temple is dedicated, right? And then we have like this other time down the road when the Romans come and the great war that happens from 66 to 70, like the, the temple gets ran over again and Israel scatters and we have yet another huge transition. How Jews, the Israelites, related with God change because of their circumstances. Well, Psalm 19, some call a Torah psalm because in all 176 verses of this big, long psalm, there's at least 25 references to God's law, instructions, or commands, right? And even in the first couple of stanzas, uh, it's got a stanza per letter in the Hebrew alphabet. Like there's all these different synonyms for the teaching, right? The instruction, the statutes, the laws, the commands. They all point to this dwelling around a written code and not so much a big building in the middle of our capital city. There's just certain eras of Israel's story when they're, the way that they knew that they were connecting with God was, was not just going to a site where they could worship and they imagined and they they believed that God lived among them in the midst of the center of that temple. But now we can uh, dwell upon his words and we can commune with God. This is where that, that passage in Deuteronomy that Jesus mentions and when he's being tempted by Satan, he says, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Like that's a stunning statement. Like any person, no matter where they are, no matter which geographic location they find themselves, no matter where they land on the GPS, if they have God's words, then they can draw near to God. Like this is a big fundamental shift, right? And so um, what we have in Psalm 119, the very first stanza, it's like this great promise that those who dwell upon the words, who face God through his words, are truly happy. And you'll notice like the first couple of verses, like the writers, you know, got this grandiosity, um, almost to say like he has arrived because of how much he loves the words and he's experienced that the words give him that great depth of happiness. But then the writer says like this, there's this great gap, this place that he still needs to grow and he still uh, needs to flourish. 
He says in verse five, how I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes. So yes, he knows that happiness is in following God's commands. Uh, He knows that God blesses them. He says in verse three, they don't even do anything wrong. They walk in God's ways. God, you have ordered that your decrees should be kept most carefully. And then he says, how I wish my ways were strong when it comes to keeping your statutes. So there's this sense that even though that we have the words of God, and even if we have like an increasing awareness of the words of God, that there's still a ways to go. It's just like that dynamic in martial arts, right? Like you get the black belt, but like you're just starting over. Like there's another mountain to climb. I love the way Eugene Peterson says it. Like there is no master in the Christian life. That we're always kind of in primary school. We're always along the way. Now this, now this is not just waiting for us to like to feel down about ourselves and put ourselves down. That's not it at all. But you and I have to admit, like there's a certain vigor that overwhelms us when we start something new. We've got all this energy, right? Like a person signs up to run a marathon and those first few weeks of adding miles gradually, like we feel like we're on top of the world. And all of a sudden, like the shin splints set in, right? And we look at all those weeks and all those miles stacking up. I remember the first time I ran a marathon, I had that 20 mile marathon training run. And by the end of it, I was so sick of running. Like I didn't want to do it anymore. But I was so close to race day that I continued to press on. Maybe something like that's going on with the psalmist here. The psalmist remembers those early days of those dedicated days of reading, of digesting, of asking questions. This could seem like I couldn't get enough. But then like this gap, this like lethargy sets in. And that lethargy is important. It's part of the formula. It's part of the algebra. Because it's like we have like this gut check moment. Am I going to continue to go on? Or am I going to scrap the whole thing and do something else with my life? I think all of us know that Christianity is as easy as hard gets. Yes, we just said it yesterday. Hat tip, Dr. Jeremy Sims. And part of that is continuing to face God's words, face God through them to allow them to search us and to continue to transform and change us. Transformation is a messy process because there's a total rework that happens in our lives. We go in as worms, we come out as butterflies something takes over and we're completely different and that part of that process not the whole process but part of that process is facing the words from god so with those things in mind let's spend some time praying to our god this morning father son and holy spirit i thank you today because of your words like we can come to you and seek your face. God, we know that the words of the Bible are not you. We don't worship the words of the Bible. We we are so grateful for the gift of the testimony of Scripture, which operates as a portal to seek your face. And even though you're still a God who's infinite, a God that's beyond all things, we understand that your grace is enough. Your word is enough. It, It creates us into the people of God. When it's read, it's preached, it's studied, and it's applied and implied in our lives. And so we thank you for the testimony of scripture through the, the lessons that we hear in groups and the sermons that we hear on Sunday morning, the ways in which we chat about it as the people of God, the ways in which even surrounding culture, not officially sanctioned by the church, dwells upon your words and tries to make something of them. We think that in a mystery, you reveal your life and your love to us. And so we thank you for that love that illuminates our hearts and minds that lifts us out of the out of the the sins and the struggles that we have. And so God, we pray that you would transform us through your words and you give us a hunger to know you 
and a piece of the quenching of that hunger would be through the study and through the occupation of understanding your words. So give us a great love for you and an interest and a focus on the words of scripture. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.